0: we Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Dax, and uh, joining us after after a little hiatus, because we had a bout with a uh, you know a highly contagious illness, uh, Indie Games Editor Campbell Gill.
1: I'm alive. I live. I'm back. <laughs> you know, To reference my most anticipated game of the year, I live alive again.
0: Uh, excellent. And also with us, we have... Games editor, Mark Kaleroff.
2: I had enough time to listen to the longest audiobook I've ever listened to during this span. Which was?
0: Uh, we're about to talk about it. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't realize you listened to the audiobook version. I assumed you mm-hmm. just power- powered through it. Mark uh, is just that too smooth
1: awesome. for all of us
0: for his transitions. Mark's too... He's too smooth. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, obviously we had to take last week off because uh, Campbell, unfortunately, uh, was was sick, which happens, you know, it's bound mm-hmm. to happen at some point. Um but you're feeling better,
1: yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, just a little bit of drainage left. So if you hear yeah. some, you know, quiet, sad coughing in the background, that's me. But I'll try to keep that to a minimum.
0: I, I, I honestly, can we can we like can we up the gain on the quiet, sad coughing, please, and just kind of <laughs> keep that <laughs> for the. <laughs> there we go. Um, but uh, we we thought it might be fun to right, literally seconds before we start recording, uh, we we saw the the latest <laughs> the latest <laughs> world premiere reveal of the <laughs> uh, games coming to Nintendo Switch online. We thought it might be fun to spend a second talking about these. Uh, I don't know, uh, Hidden hidden Gems, perhaps? <laughs> or not. Uh, no, it's, it's a bunch of garbage. Uh, oh, no. It's a bunch of garbage. Congo's Caper, game of the year, baby. Uh, three games, I've never heard of any of these. Uh, uh, Congo's Caper, Rival Turf, and Pinball, pinball. for NES. Uh, this is, of course, coming hot off the heels of we just got Kirby and 64 and the Crystal Shards for the uh, NES Online Expansion Pack. I, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't notice the, uh, the Genesis games they added, Campbell. Are you, do, you, do you know what those were off the, off the top of your head?
1: No, I do not, because I'm a fake yeah. fan.
0: You are a fake fan, that's fair. Oh, wait, uh, they
1: added more Genesis games?
0: I'm, I'm assuming they did. I, I thought no. every month they added N64 an, an games and Genesis games. I the
1: mean, pack. not tonight. Tonight it's just NES and Super NES. But...
0: Right, no, I'm saying, I'm saying last week when they added Kirby 64 Oh yeah, no, no, I did not know that. I can gotcha. pull it up Fair and do enough. in-depth journalistic research. We should right do there. some. We should do some live journalism. We should Genesis. listen. We should give the fans. We should give our fifty thousand fans uh, a, a taste, <laughs> a taste of what live uh, games journalism looks like, uh, which is going to Google and, and typing what Genesis games May twenty twenty two. Yes, may or
2: may not have been the exact terminology. I think uh-huh. one of them was Sonic Spinball, but that's
0: p- speculation. Oh, that'd be cool, <laughs> which I've actually never played. Um, and if we got Sonic Spinball, that would sort of be in theme with NES Pinball. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I- I've never heard of any of these games. Um, Congo's Con- Caper looks kind of like Joe and Mac. It's like a caveman-themed <laughs> platformer, I guess. Rival Turf, I, I have no idea. You'll um, never guess what pinball is. I'll never listen. Pinball. Pinball. Honestly, looks like the one that would actually play. To be honest,
1: um. <laughs> no. Like the clip they showed in the trailer actually looks kind of fun. I mean, I know nothing yeah. about this specific form of pinball, which makes it sound like there's like a form of pinball leagues or anything like that, where it's very where it changes in each iteration. But uh, oh what they gosh, showed yeah. with like Mario, I think it looked like and yeah. It kind of reminded Princess me of the top, um, yeah.
0: Of the Super Mario Brothers arcade game, so mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of. I'm, I'm sure they're evoking that as, as they when they made it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Rival Turf. It looks kind of like a Streets of Rage style, you know, beat 'em up style game. Yeah, uh, it's
1: on the on the Super Nintendo, which means it's right. not going to be anywhere
2: close to Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Pinball was actually so... made
2: by Hell uh, Laboratory. Oh no way! Yeah, that was okay. one of their first games.
0: All right, fair oh. enough. Hmm. So now, so we're getting we're getting something. Okay, fair enough. For, so for, is, the, for the... Go ahead.
1: Is this really a hidden gem, then? If it's made by it Hell Laboratory? Be. Wait a minute. <laughs> wow. Do we, do uh, we just,
0: compl- do we just completely make a 180 <laughs> on our opinions of these three games? No, <laughs> uh, no, no. It's like there's uh,
2: free pinball
0: games all over the Switch
2: right now. You know, know pinball right? FX that we talked about like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's, true. Uh, this
1: one probably doesn't have Indiana Jones in it, so. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, right. Or 80 microtransactions. Yeah, right. Well, there so, is I don't
0: that. know. It's, uh, I wouldn't even call it disappointing. At this point, honestly, guys, I have not logged into Switch Online in like two months, to be honest. Like, I haven't played oh, yeah. any of the offerings for a long time. Which is, I mean, it's kind of on me. My life's been very busy lately, so it's, like, partly on Mm -hmm. me. It's, like, if I want to play a game, it's, like, I'm going to, like, sit down and play, like, either a game I'm reviewing for the website or, like, you know, something that I'm, like, really excited to play. So, Mm -hmm. so honestly, nothing that they've offered lately has really uh, intrigued me, which is a shame. Yeah, I feel the same. I literally
2: just, uh, I was playing Ocarina of Time, and then I missed Breath of the Wild so much I bought Age of Calamity oh my I started god. It. Nice. <laughs> so nice. i guess i guess it did its job which age of calamity was so far say. is good campbell it's just the frame rate has been bothering me
1: oh yeah no the frame rate is uh, out of control no it's not great and i mean we'll yeah. talk about frame rates more later in this episode oh <laughs> yes of course yeah. get hype continuously foreshadowing the disaster to come a bit like age of calamity
0: but <laughs> oh my god
2: yeah, yeah really it's, it's good so far i'm enjoying it
0: that's good that's awesome. Um, yeah, I still have not. I still have yet to to dip into uh, Age of Calamity. Um,
1: I guess this just goes to show if Switch Online is good for anything, it just get you working. to play other games. <laughs> yeah, right. That's
0: really <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a continual service of reminding you, like, oh yeah, isn't there like a modern version of that game that exists? <laughs> isn't there a good uh, version of this? <laughs> isn't there a good <laughs> version of this? Um, that's very funny. But uh, so that that'll probably do it for for that little. A little diversion into the Switch Online update. Uh, What we really wanted to talk about was uh, a little bit outside of the specific Nintendo games. Uh, Mark, you alluded to listening to an audiobook, the longest audiobook you've listened to Mm -hmm. in some time. Uh, Do you want to kind of tell us what you've been listening to and what you think about it?
2: Of course. That is Reggie Fissime's newest book, uh, Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo which is a business uh, memoir from Reggie Fisseme, who's the former president of Nintendo of America. And it is really, really, really good. I know it's not going to be something for everyone since it's a business memoir, but there is uh, some great Nintendo content in it, but it's mostly about lessons in the world of business and PR and just marketing in general. And it's just a really strong book. Like, it's a very, like, you know, Reggie has always been very articulated and well spoken and this book is just further proof of it
0: it's just it's very well written and it's very educational awesome well I, I guess I, I guess that's the that's the thing I'm most curious about because I remember similar to when um uh book came out last was that last year already yes you want to oh ask or ask what Iwata is? ask Iwata. um it kind of reminded me when, when they announced this book I was like oh wow we're gonna get like we're going to get the the biography of Reggie's time at Nintendo. And it's like, no, that's not exactly what this book is. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, same, similar to the, the Iwata book, I thought it was going to be like, let me give you the, the play-by-play of, of the time at Nintendo. But it's like, no, it was more like, it was a lot, you know, it was business advice, it was management advice. And um, it was sprinkled in with a little bit of Nintendo. Here's, yes, Exactly, sprinkled with a little bit of Nintendo. So, so would you say the structure of this book is kind of like that as well? yes it's very much the same it's
2: uh the book's about how reggie goes he basically takes a huge retrospective of his entire career and he literally starts from going to cornell college or no before cornell college i'm sorry he starts with his own family history and how his parents and grandparents were basically exiled from their home because of political arguments and how they wanted to help defend their country against the dictatorship and how his family moved to Miami, Florida and eventually he ended up in the Bronx. And it starts from there and what happens is Reggie eventually goes to Cornell College and he starts his career at a few different companies and he works with PMG and then he goes to MTV and he eventually works with Guinness and he sort of It's how he worked his way up to Nintendo. But the idea is that he has always been, as the title implies, a disruptor, which Mm. is, in his definition, someone who makes a groundbreaking decision that is unlike what the company would do. Which it's easy to see why Reggie would do that because he's done it time and time again. So for like example, with Nintendo, it's like very easy to see with uh, how they approach their E3. If you look back, he talks about um, his first E3 and how Reggie, the iconic quote about him kicking ass, taking names, uh, he talks about that and how it was so unlike Nintendo and this aggressive attitude and how mm. all the executives were just scared that this wasn't the right direction and how he just completely got everyone on board with DS. And then when it came to the Wii, how he talked about how they didn't want to include Wii Sports, but then he argued against it. And then the Wii became the highest selling console in America. And like all that Nintendo stuff is in it, but that's only a portion of the book. The book does start out by, he talks about the importance of mentorship and friendship in general. And he talks about um, Satori Iwata and his funeral. That's actually like the first part of the book. Oh, wow. And it's extremely, extremely heartbreaking, just the entire thing that he describes about how... Because he's always mentioned how he saw him at the hospital and how he was, like, looking healthier and how he was very happy to see him in Kyoto. And he's spoken about it before, but not in depth. And it was interesting seeing that full perspective unfold about how a business executive in Japan would never allow visitors from their company to come to them at the hospital. Reggie completely changed Iwata's mind, and then all of a sudden they had Nintendo executives visiting him at a hospital, which is exactly outside of uh, Japanese culture. Hmm. Wow. wow, that's, uh, I, yeah, I didn't know that, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. It's The whole thing is just, it's wild. Reggie goes into literally his time at MTV and Literally his role in uh, MTV as a company when 9-11 happened There's like stuff mm-hmm. like that in the book and how he helped evacuate the entire office when people didn't want to evacuate because they weren't, you know <clears throat> Sure with the uh, information at the time whether you oh, know, it sure. was a terrorist attack or whether it was an accident But it, it goes into all these, you know, he, he just has such a such a heart and he cares for his employees and making the right mm-hmm. decision for the business and it's, it's, yeah, it's just it's, it's... fascinating. He's such a fascinating individual. I didn't know, like I knew, I always knew Reggie was good in like business and stuff, but once you start looking at it and his time at Nintendo, it really shows what Reggie did, what he was under restriction with, and it, it just all shows how just great of a, a business person that he was. Wow,
0: it's interesting. It's like uh, I mean, we're talking about him as if he's dead, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he is no longer a great He, he is uh, he very, very much alive. He's busy um, making
2: speeches at Cornell College and yeah, on right. boards for different companies. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. Like he he has always been such a personality, like an outsized personality, I would say, um, because he 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 made himself one. He like went out mm-hmm. of his way to be like, I'm the guy. You know, which is unusual, I think, for a lot of people. Like, I guess it's not, it's not insane in the, excuse me, in the gaming space. Um, you know, everybody knows who Jim Ryan is. Everybody knows, um, you know, people people like that. But I think he really, as mm. far as such Nintendo a likable personality, that was the thing. It was, it was, mm. the, it was the like the likability. The uh, he feels like he, like this is going to sound dumb. It feels like Reggie got it. You know what I mean? Like, he got it, mm-hmm. right? Like, you yep. kind of look at Reggie and be like, yeah, like, he gets it. Like, he he plays games. Whereas a lot, a lot of these other figures, you see them come out on the E3 stage with their, with their blazer and their graphic tee, and you're like, okay, like, <laughs> you're going to tell me about video games, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Reggie was always kind of like, okay, yeah, like, you're a little older, whatever, you still, like, understand exactly what you're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. It's especially, um, I
2: love, I'll just talk about this really quick, but there's one section of the book where he starts about when he started working with Nintendo. In a sales position, mm-hmm. and he talks about how he owned a PlayStation Two and an Xbox before he even owned a GameCube, and when he joined the company, he felt like personally attacked, and he knew how to put that experience into Nintendo to fix their
0: situation with the Wii and the DS. Yeah, well, mm. that's awesome. It's like yeah. it's like you remember a few. Oh boy, I'm saying I'm gonna say I'm thinking this was like a couple weeks ago, but it was probably like six months ago, um, when a uh, it kind of it went like semi-viral, where a it was like an internal Microsoft review team. Uh, uh, oh yeah, with the they wanted to. The the no, 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 oh, not, no, not no. that. It, uh, there was a, a Microsoft thing where something went viral where like somebody internally at Microsoft was like, "We're gonna like very objectively review uh, PlayStation's The Last of Us Part 2. and like like really got into it of like, "Wow, this game is like." For its for what it is, it is completely unsurpassed. Like the graphics are incredible. Da, da, da. Like and it was just kind of funny to see like somebody on the Xbox team praising, <laughs> pra- praising and very like objectively being like, "Wow, here's what this game does phenomenally. Here's where we can learn from it." And so it sounds like Reggie was bringing a little bit of that to his Nintendo experience of like, "Hey guys, mm-hmm. I know the industry inside and out. Not o- I'm not just a Nintendo guy. I have an Xbox. I have a PlayStation. Here's what we can learn from them." And I feel like that that point of view is—I I don't want to say it's unusual, but I think it's unusual to have it on that scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. What I yeah. like about the
2: book is Reggie has this uh, this two act structure, where he has his story that he explains, and then he does what's called the "so what," which is the big takeaways that you should be learning from his story. Mm. And each each one, literally, there's so much just like sentiment and value. Inside every single one of them. And I have to say, one of my favorite quotes, I just put it in my review, which is I don't have the review ready yet, but it'll be up on the website soon, which is Authenticity earns respect, so be your authentic self. Man, that's real. That's a good quote. And
1: that was just yeah, that's
2: one a good of them. Quote. Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> my life has changed forever. I'm now going and, to be yeah, authentic I, for the I'm going go to become know. a business manager. <laughs> I'm going to go become the, the, the leader of a Fortune 500 company. Let's go. All right,
1: hey, just do it. Go down the street or something.
0: It's, yeah. uh, <laughs>
2: it's so interesting, though, seeing, because, you know, you think of, like, a business executive as in, like, they had this handed to them. And, like, you see how Reggie, how he worked his way up the ladder. Like he started yeah. in the low paying position and when he saw other people getting promoted, he felt that they weren't as deserving as him of the promotion, but he had just these good mentors and stuff that told him he has to have patience and wait and make the right decisions. And he he talks about how just great everything got by, you know, making a lot of risk and just listening to the right people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh It's so interesting, like, obviously anybody who's at that level, like, has a lot of things going their way, right, like, 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 no matter, if you're, if you're able to be the president of, uh, or, you know, the face of a company, like, Mm -hmm. obviously you've got a lot, you know, you've got a lot going, going for you in general, like, no, I, I don't know, I firmly believe that, like, nobody who gets to that position, like, truly starts from nothing, but it's, I mean, I don't know, that's just me talking out of my butt here. But Well, uh,
2: he literally he literally started from nothing. Like, hmm. when his parents went to the Bronx, like, he would, like, his allowance was literally, like, 50 cents. Which, wow. you know, you also have to think of, like, at the time, like, you know, with economics and stuff like that. Oh, well, but yeah, literally, at, the, at the time, 50 cents he was, would, was about $20,000, yeah. 20, he, would 20, $20, $0. 000, yeah. <laughs> he would be sent to, with his own, <laughs> you know, 50 cent allowance between him and his brother, had to split. And it was like they had to go wow. buy like a newspaper and then they'd share the rest on candy. It was like you
0: know, just unbelievable behold yeah. that's pretty that's pretty incredible i'm wow i'm I'm so intrigued um to kind of see to to see i don't know do do you think it do you think he effectively conveys like what it took to rise to that height?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. He talks wow. about the value of education and just all these important things like even in his final year of uh, going to Cornell like he didn't just ride the wave out with easy classes like he took the hardest classes because he wanted to legitimately learn and he talks about how you should value opportunity and he talks about the reasons why and it's just the whole thing is just so well articulated that's awesome
0: that's awesome. I'm I'm uh, I'm pleased to hear it. Uh, if, what do you think, Campbell? Do, is this like a book you're you're interested in picking up? I, I know you were. We were talking right before recording. Did did you end up pulling the trigger on that? Uh, on that copy of that book?
1: Oh, I didn't pull it just yet, but I got the gotcha. tab open, so probably when have tab is open on mm-hmm. break or something, I'll pick it up because listeners, um, the tab is open. Yes, exactly. You know, everybody, stay calm. The tab is open, but. Okay. Um, <laughs> During my, my my COVID lockdown and everything, I caught up on a lot of reading, and I did read Askiwada, Um, which, frankly, as having just taken an entire class about management, I learned more about management reading Askiwada than I did in this whole semester. <laughs> um, and it sounds like from what you're saying, Mark, that... That Reggie's this is book another is one to read. Much like yes. that. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. One thing I'm curious about though is I like we know we all know that Reggie's tenure at Nintendo is legendary, hugely successful for the, for the company, but also Towards the end of it there was the Wii U right before the yes. switch. So here's What's he the say thing about that.
2: <laughs> he he does talk about failure, but very minimally, because the whole book is supposed hmm. to be behind motivation and recovery and stuff like that. So he doesn't actually talk that much about the Wii U, which is kind of a shame, but I you say, know, as I'm... The themes you're describing are all
1: tied to the failure of the Wii U. Like, recovery (laughs) and motivation, you need those things to do the switch.
2: (laughs) As I was reading it, and then when I finally made it to the last few pages, which, by the way, you should listen to the audiobook, he narrates it, and it's fantastic, and there's an extra uh, interview that's, like, an hour long with Jeff Keighley, which is really good, too. Oh, wow. And I think it's better that the failure aspects were not actually in this book because it keeps it more of on a consistent tone that fits um, just Reggie's overall structure of doing these so what lessons, and it, it just works better in the book's favor to not mention these failures, but he does mention you know he he does mention a few failures like um, the 3ds price at the beginning how it was two hundred fifty dollars instead of two hundred dollars he goes into that and the creation of the uh, ambassador program which was you got like 20 free games if you were an early adopter of the system so there is stuff like that but he ties it into a lesson that like you wouldn't expect and it's just I don't even want to say it because when you get there you'll be super surprised but uh it's just it's really well thought out and at first i was like why is he putting like all this negativity all of a sudden like into this one section and then he starts talking about it and i was like oh like he turned it into a really positive situation in the end and it has a really good lesson behind it so i i don't think it's necessary that he did um mention the wii u i do find it interesting though on the topic of the wii u that um Satoru Iwata wasn't there for the full development of the Switch, and he was there for a ton of it, but he talks about towards the end how they didn't have him during the system's like final phases of development, and I just find that interesting, because for years we've kind of been like, it was, you know, like, it, it, they made it sound like he was there the entire time, like for its full development, and all the ideas in it were his, but um it's just an interesting perspective of how they had to uh, push on and how his, the last console he worked on was just like the super mega success.
1: Yeah. Mm. And that's really beautiful end for his career and everything too. Even if yeah, and he talk, he talks his about his that too,
2: project. how he had to ensure that this was like the best console possible and how he was super dedicated to making sure that he didn't fail his friend. And there's a, there's a
0: lot about that in it. Well, there you go um awesome so this book obviously came out like what a week ago two weeks ago yes it came out last like, ju- week. It like just came out it just
2: came out yeah awesome
0: uh um, go listen great. to the audiobook I, yeah i'm I, uh, i'm so i i've never been like an audiobook guy to be honest um neither have yeah. i the only audiobook i've ever listened to was uh uh andy
2: circus's version of uh, uh the hobbit when he read that over <laughs> <laughs> oh sure yeah <laughs> Cause fantastic having Gollum read the entirety of The Hobbit, it's really good. But uh, yeah, I've never been into audio books, and Reggie is just—he's he, super charismatic. It was easy to be captivated by the entire eight hours.
0: It flew by. Wow, hmm. uh, that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Um, well, there you go. So, what's it called? Disrupting the game? Yes, disrupting the game uh, from the Bronx to the top of Nintendo. From the Bronx to the top of Nintendo. Which, like, if, if that doesn't entice you, then what will? I mean, uh-huh. I would have
1: been more enticed if it was called "My Body Is Ready" or "My Body Is Reggie," <laughs> perhaps. Like, I felt like they really <laughs> missed out is on something reggie. there. <laughs> he does.
2: Mo- I one thing he, he talked about that I found really interesting is uh, his post-retirement. That's like mm-hmm. the closing chapter where he mentions a few things about what he's currently up to, and he actually goes into why he left uh, GameStop after shortly joining and it's a really interesting story about how they basically like resented him and pushed him away from like his own role Hmm. so he left
0: entirely man that's interesting that's uh that's really interesting um yeah well i'm very intrigued um very good book i recommend it Awesome, man. Um, all right, great. Well, I, Anything else you want to say about it? Or you're going to have a, full, a, a, a more a more. Yeah, internal, I'll have
2: a deep dive yeah, on uh, dive. the website. But also, if you're interested in having Reggie's own signature in your book, you can currently go on his website and uh, buy one. Because I stuck to the audiobook originally, and then I immediately purchased a copy of his signed book, because it's just a great book. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think awesome. they still have uh, some copies left i think no one really knows about it which is really weird i feel like that would have been a quick seller
0: for nintendo fans yeah that is interesting um yeah who knows um Well, there you go. Uh, So we could probably table that discussion uh, about Reggie's book, Disrupting the Game, which is out now if you're interested in it. And, of course, look for Mark's uh, write-up on it uh, later in the future. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to finally get to the, uh, I don't know. Oh, God. (laughs) We're going to get to the mediocrity. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Sometimes it's the opposite of that. You uh, might say
1: it's a KO,
0: but not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. So uh, both Mark and Campbell have been playing a little game called KO the Kangaroo or Cow. The K- I guess it's KO. Right it's, KO. It's, it's, KO. it's K.O. It's cow. It's yeah, cow. The so Kangaroo K- would be
1: hilarious though.
0: Cow? That would be too funny. Uh, uh, KO the Kangaroo. Uh, the gentlemen have been playing this game. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I, I unfortunately have not had the misfortune. To, to play this one at all, so I'm I'm going to let you guys talk for a second. And I'll, let and me I'll, let me tell please. you something,
2: Cameron. Get in there. This weekend, I played this phenomenal game about a marsupial. It was called Crash Bandicoot. And then uh, uh, yeah. this game, the other marsupial, yeah. is the one you want to bury because Ko the Kangaroo is a horrible reboot of a game. It's literally it has like this cookie cutter format for what should be a great platformer. And instead, we're meted with this. It's just a mess from a technical on, let's, standpoint. It's let's back
0: up. Let's back a up a bit little a bit. Mess. This game is a this game is a remake or a reboot? It's a, it's a reboot. reboot. So, Ka- a reboot. Uh, you okay.
2: know, Ko the kangaroo was uh, he was part of that phase with like Ty the Tasmanian tiger and Blink, and oh, like yeah. when all these mascots were trying uh, to like go- knock uh, Mario uh, and uh, the Crash off age? the top. I'm sorry, you're yeah. talking
0: about the Golden Age of video games? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know about golden, <laughs> but.
2: Uh, Maybe a yeah, Bronze we had, Age, yeah. <laughs> Piss Gold—I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we had all these uh, these mediocre platformers. Uh, you know, they weren't—they're not too bad in retrospect. They're, you know, they obviously don't meet the quality standards of Mario or Crash or anything like that. But um, I-, I thought a revival of Ko the Kangaroo would actually be pretty good because, first of all, the first trailer from this game from Tate Multimedia. Same developer as the original games, so Mm. could be a good sign. They haven't developed a KO game in uh, 15 years. The last one was on, like, the PSP. It was, like, a port of, like, one of the PS2 ones or something like that. And then uh, character goes absence for a long time. The new one is very inspired by the new Crash Bandicoot games. Like, the art style is like a copycat of it, which is fine because it, it looks great. The art direction is pretty damn good for this game, and you get to play it, and it's a disaster. The, it's buggy, it's glitchy everywhere, the platforming is bland and unimaginative, the characters keep talking, and they keep talking and talking and talking, and the script is just awful. It, it's oh just God. unbearable to listen to. Cameron, yes. I don't,
1: th- I don't think Mark is effect- conveying enough how awful the script really is. It is,
2: no. it's it one is of truly the worst. Dreadful. Yeah, it's one of the worst video game scripts I have seen in a long while. Like I it know seems. that I, I know I need that
0: some, I need some deets. Okay, well,
1: hold on. Let me pull up my switch for a second here. <laughs> I've, I've got the receipts on this. So there is a recurring character, Walt the koala. Oh yes, is... what a, what a character.
2: A stereotypical yes. master of kung fu teacher wannabe who sure. talk like this. Well, yes. Think, <laughs> well, think,
1: code, think Yoda, but like on drugs maybe, or like he's left out on the streets. He has no purpose in life anymore. That's, no that's purpose to the story. So you see, for example, reading verbatim, here is a line from Walt. We want different. Nine feet tall. Living, breathing. Also fighting master. What does that mean? I ask you. And I have been replaying this line in my head for a week now, basically. Um, And I still can't make heads or tails of it, really. And that's just one character. Every other character is just as insufferable in their own way. Like, Ko's mother is also bad... Um every character sucks because they also tried to squeeze in a lot like pop culture references and stuff and like they tried to reference TikTok in this. They tried to put YouTube or yeah. BrewTube, they call it, in <laughs> oh, here. No. And frankly, that's the most annoying thing to me, where it keeps trying to shoehorn its awful attempts at humor into the game. But it's not like it's just something that's off to the side that you hear while you're playing the you game. You have no, to hear it. Literally like required. Yeah, one of the first levels. There's like this 30-second cutscene that takes a while to load, and it's literally just KO jumping up. He falls down on his face, and he's like, wow, I'm glad nobody was there to record that. Wouldn't want that on Rootube. And that's the end of the cutscene. <laughs> that is the end of the cutscene before you oh, get to actually no. play the level. And that happens throughout the whole game. So, so this is
0: stuff that was, like, added in to the experience. Yes. Like this it's, is it's a reboot.
2: Yeah. It, it's literally a reboot, as in they've re-canonized. I looked at the original games, and I've never personally played them. But they looked like, like, okay, you know, B-grade platformers. Like, they looked fine for what they were. But, uh this is this is not how you reboot a series the gloves oh, no. the gloves KO is like a boxer he's like this feisty mm-hmm. character and the boxing gloves are now possessed by an eternal power and they that, talk as and well. they talk and they're, they're insufferable to listen <laughs> to too <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so no. i and
1: also the just i on just the don't top, understand yeah and on the topic of the gloves as well so i I guess one of the K.O.'s main selling points or differentiators from other platformers is it's not like you jump on enemies. You have melee combat. You punch your enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the first level, like it's the combat feels good at yeah, first. Yeah, it feels it, punchy. Just, there's yeah, weight to
2: it.
1: Simple three-button three combos. I'm like, hey, this is great. I can't wait to see how this develops never develops it doesn't it does not develop <laughs> at all so you're just doing that same three button combo for every single enemy it doesn't matter what oh, kind of hell. enemy it is it doesn't matter whether it's on the ground whether it's in the sky whether it's in the water wherever you are just that three button combo and it's just very very repetitive to the point where combat is all just pushovers because there's no variety mm-hmm. to it as long as you're mashing y with the occasional x and in there to, to spice things up You're good to go, exactly. So there's just no variety to it, nothing to keep things interesting with it. And then that of course leads us to the structure of the levels themselves, which is completely unimaginative,
2: point A to B levels. There's no scenic contributions that make things cool, like in the Crash Bandicoot series that inspired this game. It's completely bland and unimaginative. You're just jumping from platform to platform. And yet it's like the visuals look good. The character, the way he runs around feels great. It's extremely comfy to just like control. Mm -hmm. Like this is like a perfect, what I would call like a could be cookie cutter for a great platformer. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, (laughs) it's all, I've never seen something that my expectations just went crashing down so fast. (laughs) Wow.
0: But. Yeah, how, how how let me ask you, how, how that's pretty good. Uh how how soon? Was it like within the first level? It was like how, how quick were you like, oh darn. I,
2: I thought the opening was gonna be slow, so I was giving the first world like an exception. I was like I was ready to let it go. The boss at the end is bad. Bad. It's very just bad. so yeah. Very, very bad. <laughs> I, I can't even call it like it's a not cohesive a boss. boss battle. It yeah, is it's literally not.
1: like well, once again, it's a just mash Y in front of the enemy until you get to the next phase, basically. And then once you get to the next phase, it's no longer a boss battle. Then it's yeah, a you have glorified to hit a crystal. platforming yeah. challenge. <laughs> and it's a bad platforming challenge, too, mm-hmm. because the camera is very wonky at times, at least for mm-hmm. me. Like, I found the camera constantly kept shifting behind walls and behind obstacles and stuff. Yeah, that's not even it's the part I to had gauge. a problem
2: with. Yeah. Well, I, I The the sound design of this game is in. Infuriating it constantly glitches out. So there were so many levels where I was just completely in silence the entire time
0: Awkward
2: yeah, and not even like all you could hear was like the punching and that was it and the hub worlds were like the only place where they were safe from any like sound glitches (laughs) You're safe. It's it's a
1: mess, (laughs) but yeah, no, that's exactly it. And what I found is, and this leads to the larger issue of lag and frame rate dips and stuff. Because I found that, especially in combat sequences, when you're punching ten enemies at once, because they just there's there's no variety in combat scenarios. They just throw you in a crowd of enemies. (laughs) So when you're punching a bunch of enemies at once, I found it like would, like, stack the punch sound effects on top of each other. Yes, that so happens it would happen very like, often. Like, mm-hmm. it was just... It was so annoying. And then the whole game would just kind of slow down because it couldn't handle so much monotony happening at once, I think.
2: And here's the best part, yeah. because we got to be honest about this. Campbell, you played the Nintendo Switch version. I did play the they Nintendo They gave me a code for the PlayStation 5 version. So, the PlayStation yeah. 5 version is... like unfinished in some aspects like the button inputs and stuff occasionally show the nintendo switch controls especially on literally like the the main menu. like a and b and stuff yeah it Mm. literally says a and b (laughs) like did anyone check like was there a quality check with this entire game apparently not Uh, so what what other
1: technical issues did you run into on the the playstation version because i kind of want to compare notes here (laughs)
2: Um, let's see. When I would do the roll move, it would constantly make the sound effect repeatedly, especially if you were in water. The entire game would like bug out and you would hear the noise like a thousand times over. Mm-hmm. So if that happened on Switch, I can't even imagine. <laughs> can't even imagine what would happen to the frame rate? The frame rate was pretty solid on PS5. I don't remember really encountering any issues. Um, when you picked up collectibles, sometimes they just wouldn't collect. There was a lot of instances oh, where you yeah. would punch open the vases to collect coins and no coins would pop out or the vase would be stuck in the air and you weren't able to break it. That would happen very often to me. There were times when I would open the treasure boxes to get a huge chunk of currency. And when I opened them and I would collect the currency, the counter would not increase. <laughs> that happened very oh often. Wow, that's shocking. That's yeah, like basic, it's... right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, if I can just add in here, on Switch, you can expect all of that, plus a horrible frame rate <laughs> oh <laughs> and no. resolution that literally goes down to, like, I'm not kidding, like, 480p, maybe? Like, it just goes, like, substandard definition at times. So oh, yeah. what you'll have is, what I found was really interesting about this was the first few levels actually looked really good on Switch, especially in handheld mode. And I was like, oh, this is pleasantly surprising
2: but then it was like a 3 D crash bandicoot yeah it was sort of like uh, like the fourth game if it was more of a 3d platformer and didn't take on those like isometric viewpoints yeah
1: because the first level looked fantastic second level i noticed i started to get some frame rate dips and noticed that sometimes when i'd hit an enemy the frame rate would like slow down for just a few seconds i'm like well that's not the end of the world and then i noticed that sometimes if say i opened up a treasure chest and a bunch of coins flew out the resolution would drop and things would look a little more pixely. <laughs> like, wow, this is suddenly starting to not look so great. By the time I get to the fourth level, I wouldn't call it unplayable, but literally, it becomes a slideshow. There are times where if you're like just running straight through a level and say you're maybe say you're panning the camera around to look at your environment, literally, there will be screen tearing at times where the the top half of the screen is in a different place than the lower half of the screen for a split second. Jeez. Mm-hmm, um, or times where just as you're walking through, things just start to pixelate to the point where it just looks like a, an impressionistic painting, and not in a nice way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, and not in a good way, I should add. Oh, it just man. looks blurry hard to see where you're going or what you're doing. You compound that with increasingly bad frame rate issues to the point where like, anytime I got to a combat scenario past the first level in the second world, just don't even bother with it, frankly. I don't, ten, I don't know if you got up to this, though. Second.
2: Campbell, um, towards the end of the game during the last world, mm-hmm. um, because of the amount of cutscenes that there are, you can often see the KO, the the player, mm-hmm. like standing there doing the idle animation in the background of the cutscene. So there's two KOs in the scene. Oh, oh God, they're That's multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. That's rough stuff, guys. I did not get that far. And mm-hmm. I don't also, there's it. no
2: reward for collecting, like, a lot of the collectibles in this game. Okay, thank you. I
1: was wondering about that. I just wasn't sure if I was missing something or not. Because mm-hmm. there's, like, diamonds throughout the level. Is there a yeah, collect the diamonds?
2: I, I don't believe so. Maybe there's, like, a final challenge to unlock or something. But whatever it is, I... I doubt anyone could sit through it. <laughs> I mean, Unless you
1: got a Platinum KO, you know. Yeah, unless you know, got a Platinum the, it. Gotta get the yeah. plat for this Masterpiece, I, Plus, of
2: course. I, I don't know what's behind getting every collectible, and I'm sure it is not worth it, because this game is just a massive disappointment. We were really excited for it, because mm-hmm. it looked like a great 3D platformer. Uh, I always use this argument. It could either be on the Mario crash uh, side of the fence, or Hat in Time, that too, I'll throw that in there, or it could be on the ukulele side, and this is—I I wouldn't even—I don't even know if I could put this next to ukulele because at least ukulele wasn't broken.
0: Right. Right. I mean, yeah. listen i have—I have yet to play ukulele all the way through for myself. I've only dipped into it for moments at a time. But from my understanding, like that was pretty much—it did what you wanted it to do. It was like, hey, it's—it might be just a, a blatant ripoff of a banjo kazooie, but at least it like you can play the game well you know mm-hmm. right it um, wasn't it wasn't the
2: best ripoff but sure at least sure. it was playable like it was completable this game's also i beat it like listen i beat it but the experience was insufferable at times <laughs> it was it frustrated me especially one of the most frustrating moments is i was trying to unlock one of the uh you can unlock like costumes for ko in this game All completely pointless they don't do anything for him that's all the currency is spent on that and like extra lives and stuff like that it's all monotonous stuff you don't even need since because of how easy the game is in all honesty Mm -hmm. but um there was one time where i was so close to getting enough and i just needed this one last treasure chest to give me like the 100 coins or whatever and then it glitched out and i had to play Um, another level (laughs) and i I was was like, like are you kidding me and And then that next level was the final level of the game so i never got the costume
1: and also like i could not imagine having to replay one of these levels because these are really long levels yes they they are like 15
2: to 25 minutes Yeah, each
1: level took me around 30 minutes or so give or take yeah especially because there are like side areas and like uh alternative objectives and like you know uh uh, enemy like uh, secret areas you can encounter to fight enemies or go through like a gauntlet of obstacles and stuff that add to the runtime. So mm-hmm. these are very lengthy levels and like we we're discussing earlier, there's is nothing by way of set pieces or anything to break up the monotony. You're just basically going in a straight line, jumping over platforms yes. for thirty minutes. So mm-hmm. it was fun at first in the first level, but then when I realized that was every single level it got quickly to went just crashing. be pretty yeah. grating. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, uh, sounds like if you, sounds like we're getting a little bit of a tech, technical support here from, uh, from <laughs> camp, camp <laughs> about how to, how to play this game. Yes. Um, so I don't or know, or you don't there, play it at all and I you think go that's play better technical support. Yeah.
2: yeah. The best technical support is get yourself a month of the online expansion pass. Go play Banjo Kazooie or you can go play the Crash Bandicoot, the 4th one. That one's fantastic. Go buy Mario 3D All-Stars, you get three fantastic 3D games. Hell, play yeah. Go play Mario A Hat Odyssey. in Time. Play like, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the greatest games of all time. Play Absolutely.
2: literally anything but this if you want a 3D platformer on except, Switch.
0: Except Ukulele, apparently. Except Ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> even
2: I would even recommend Ukulele over this, and you guys know how much I hate yeah. that game.
1: Yeah, if I, I could just yeah. jump in with some personal experience on this, you know, as we've alluded to before over the past week, been COVID lockdown here in Campbellland. Uh, <laughs> when when Mark sent graciously got me the switch code for KO, I was excited because I was like, hey, this is a great game for me to huddle down with while I'm stuck in bed all day, basically. <laughs> um, and all I can say is COVID sucks. COVID with KO is worse. So don't do that. <laughs> I thought it was fun. The only thing that KO was good for was it helped me take a nap one day. You know, I was just going in a straight line. I was like, I was so bored playing KO. I conked out for a little bit. And frankly, <laughs> I perhaps I owe KO a little bit to my recovery. I don't know. But I don't think it's worth the emotional tur- turmoil and boredom that you'll have <laughs> otherwise with the game. And I feel
2: bad because this game is extremely popular in some uh, eastern areas, especially uh, Poland, surprisingly. Interesting. And the embargo for this game was locked to the day of release, which should have been... Uh, is usually yeah, it's usually not a great sign. red flag,
0: yeah. Yeah, I
2: feel like the only time we've had a knockout with that kind of release pattern was like Chicory, A Colorful Tale. That was oh, it. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
2: so skip this one. Our it's condolences to Poland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you go. So it
0: sounds, listen, here's the, here's the caveat. Um, if you have COVID and you need to sleep, by all <laughs> means, check out KO the Kangaroo. Uh, if not, probably better left uh, unplayed. Uh, well, we don't want to end it on a, on a totally negative place there, so we're going to take one more break, come back, and I want to talk about an indie spotlight for you all, Citizen Sleeper. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. As I said before, we listened, I know we all went kind of hard on uh, K- KO the kangaroo, and I didn't even play it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> we thought we'd end it with have a to play it to know how awful. That's is. that's I've I've absorbed the the uh, I've absorbed the vibes. But we we thought we would end it. Uh, I played a game that I actually super loved. Uh, a couple, gosh, I guess it was about two, three weeks ago now. Uh, Citizen Sleeper. Which is a game that is available on Switch right now. I played it on Steam, but it is on Switch, and and like I'm I'm regretting not have played it on Switch because it's like the perfect Switch game. Um, System Sleeper is a kind of a sci-fi cyberpunky story. It's very much a narrative game. I, I would almost call it a point and click adventure, but it's also kind of like a not exactly time management, but like you're you're basically uh, you're managing. You have like a limited amount of actions you can do per day, and you're and you're managing the amount of actions you can do, and you're trying to like uh, uh, strategically progress through certain storylines with the limited amount of um, actions you can do. So like you, you might meet like for example you one of the very first things that happens in the game um, you are a you are the titular sleeper. Uh, you awaken in a in a storage. It's again. It's all set in space. You awaken in a uh, uh, basically like a cryo storage thing. You like wake up. You're like, oh god, like who am I? Where am I? Um, You're kind of thawed out by like a scavenger. So you meet the scavenger guy, and he's like, all right, like uh, so here you are. Like I smuggled you out, or like you know whatever, whatever you, you kind of. It's kind of ambiguous, like your relationship to this smuggler guy, and he's like, all right, well. I I can take care of you for a little bit, but at a certain point people are gonna start asking questions. Like you you gotta we gotta make our peace and get the hell out of here. Um, and so you have like you have I guess you could call it I don't know like an in game week. Uh, this is you know it's not exactly a week, but it's like it's an in game week to try to befriend this guy or like try to get more information out of him. So what you're doing during those during those days is uh, you can like converse with him, and basically every time you converse with him. You can you have uh, I guess you call it like dice rolls. You have you have a limited amount of uh, I keep calling them actions, but you have like six actions you can you can do you can perform, um, and all those actions are are given a dice value like like a one through six, right? So if you use a six, that's a success. It's like no matter what happens, it's a hundred percent positive success. If you use a one, it's like a risky it's a risky move. You might get the result you want, you might not. So if you're conversing with this NPC. And you use a six, like you're gonna get some good information out of him, and you might get to know him a little better, and maybe he'll like give you some money or something. But if you use a one, he might he might like clam up around you. He might be like, "Oh, I don't trust you." Like, I and it like wastes your time. It waste that action for the day. So basically, you're you're trying to like use. You're trying to see the lay of the land. You're trying to converse with certain characters you, you want to talk to. Um, you're trying to like, you, you're uh, again, you're you're a sleeper, which I haven't even explained what that is. Um, you have a, this is a sci-fi concept and uh, I, I thought it was fascinating the sleeper is basically a robot body a synthetic body with your uploaded consciousness in it so you're like a copy of your consciousness so like imagine Campbell if you uploaded your mind to the cloud mm-hmm. and downloaded <laughs> that mind to a robot body and somebody else could use your bo- your physical body that's so what we're doing right. now, the real Campbells over at Nintendo of America in a box. Oh, right, I forgot, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly.
2: So, yes. I am just
1: a droid, beep boop.
2: So, <laughs> so uh,
0: that's really good. But just uh, to
1: confirm, so this is basically Google Docs, but for consciousness in robot bodies. Right, so, um, uh, exactly.
0: So, uh, so imagine, imagine if you, uh, kind of like that. So it raises all these interesting questions about, like, okay, well, if your mind is in the robot body... Is it still you? Like, what does that mean? What does that, do you know what I mean? Like, 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 kind of these existential, like, messed up questions like that. I'm like, okay, well, like... If it's like some Blade Runner stuff. No, literally, dude, There, there is a character that is essentially a Blade Runner, isn't it? There's. You meet this bounty hunter. You meet this bounty hunter who's like, so, I'm a bounty hunter, and I've been tasked to hunt you down and get you. And it's like, okay, uh, how do you navigate that relationship? It's like, do you pay them off? Do you try to escape from them? Do you... Like, obviously, you're a robot, so you have, like, trackers and stuff with you. It's like, do you find someone who can disable your tracker? It's, like, all these really interesting... It's kind of like a... I would call it kind of a melting pot of, like, sci-fi tropes. But the Mm -hmm. way they're written, the way they're executed, it's really well done. The writing is really top-notch. I know I've kind of defaulted to being, like, the... The narrative adventure game guy on the on Stomp and on this podcast, like I know I'm like every time there's an adventure game, I'm like, oh, hello, like go on. Uh, but I, again, having played a ton of these, I think this game really just knocks it out of the park in terms of writing and interesting concepts and uh, just like the themes that it's trying to trying to talk about. It's like I, I feel like I got a little caught up in the weeds with like the mechanics of the game, but but basically all you gotta know is. Uh, you can only do so much in a given day, but you're always wanting to get to the next day. Like, like I, there was times where I, I, I rarely do this because again, I am a an ancient, uh, decrepit old man. I played this game until like one in the morning, s- at least several nights in a row, uh, which I never do with video games, guys. Like, I like I have to be very clear. Like that is not a a habit that I am in anymore, as a 33 year old person. Uh, and this game, like, I kept wanting to see what would unfold next, like, for a couple <laughs> nights in a row. I was, like, very, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Um, if it can keep you past your bedtime, that's pretty pretty <laughs> impressive, it sounds like. And, going, and you again, know. to be clear, my bedtime is, like, 10.30. <laughs> 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 like, to be clear. Um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's And it's, again, it's, like, the perfect game for Switch. So you're not like you're not controlling an avatar, like to be clear in this game, you are clicking on icons. And when you click on an icon, it kind of gives you some flavor text. Maybe you get a character portrait um, and you're, and, you're, and you're, uh, there's no voiceover or anything like that. You're just reading text on screen. Um, so it's not like you're like moving a character around or like engaging in battles or anything like that. It is all text um, and and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, but again, it's just well done, and uh, it's it's like the, the mechanics are in, they're like intriguing enough that you want to in, uh, uh, kind of mess around with them. Um, so not only do you have like you have like a limited amount of actions per day, your character because it's again it's a robot body is like deteriorating with every in game day that goes by because like you're, it's planned obsolescence. Like you are you are going to die is kind of like the the larger existential theme that is hanging over every action that you take is like yeah you are dying the entire game uh you, you're like you're in the depths of space you're on like a ramshackle space station uh t- like everyone wants to kill not necessarily kill you but everybody like, wants something from you and it's like oh gosh how do i keep myself going uh often you have to like you have to talk to like you have to talk to like the seedy bar owner who's like okay well i i have i know this i know like a tech who can kind of give you the the synthetic fluids that keep your robot body alive like if you pay me you know however many hundreds of in-game currency and it's like okay great how do i find currency do i take like a part-time shift at the space bar or like <laughs> do i do i d- run this game's equivalent of like uber eats or something like you like <laughs> stuff like that uh there's a lot of stuff of like the gig economy and like what does that do to a human body like stuff like that um uh, it's just really smart it's smart it's smart, smart and smart well done and uh on top of all that so your character is uh, slowly losing like energy, um, these can starve, so your robot is like literally starving, so you have to eat food. Um, but then mixed in with all of that, you do have skills you can get. You can like upgrade your skills to, for example, you can reroll your dice once a wet once a day. Um, or you can unlock a skill that's like, uh, refuel your energy by spending scrap and it's like okay now you can find some scrap stuff like that because again you're on a space station so it's like maybe you take a job uh, breaking down busted spaceships or something like that it's like there's all these like little kind of time management simulation eve things to do um, and again even though you're just clicking on text and like clicking yes or no or do you want to do this or that it just feels really engaging and I think that is in large part due to just just the general vibe of the whole thing the character portraits are like really beautiful They're these gorgeous like anime portraits like manga style the, the the character artist i don't have his name in front of me but he's like oh my gosh really yeah, looks artist. very good just looking it's at really good man right and now. again it's it's all static it's not like animated or doing anything special there's not even cutscenes or anything like that but it's just like the whole the it's very evocative um, the idea. Do of characters being...
2: have like uh, different portraits, like Icarus Uprising in a way.
0: Um. Oh boy. Like. Like. Do they? Like. Are they angry? Are they sad? Are they? Yeah. Happy? Like, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I honestly don't think they do. To be honest. Um. It's. It's pretty static. To be. To be. To be honest. But it's. It, I never really felt that way. Just because again, the the writing kind of carries it through. Like you get a <laughs> sense of who all these characters are. Um. I think my favorite. Uh, not to, to to wax poetic on this game too much longer, but I think my favorite uh, thing that happens in this game is when when you turn the, when you start the game when you start a new file, it asks you what you want your you have like you can have specialties, um, you can have like a, a quote unquote class. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, um, but you can have like a thing that you're good at. Um, and I wanted my character to be good at uh, hacking, like uh, going into the digital space. Um, you could also have your character be good at doing like physical labor, so if you want to like break down extra ships to get extra scrap or that kind of stuff, they they like they they have like a higher chance of rolling better, uh, doing those kinds of checks. Um, but I wanted my guy to be good at hacking, and as a result of that, I started kind of, kind of poking around and following. And again, it's it's kind of a non-linear story. Um, like you you have like a certain set amount of things to do, but at the end of the day, you are finding the stories you want to find just by engaging with the game. Um, as you so choose. And I was kind of poking around in one area, and I I stumbled across a a vending machine, um, a 3D printer vending machine on this space station. The entire point, its entire purpose was like, I am a 3D printer for uh, pilots to come in if they have, you know, like parts on their ship that are messed up, they can 3D print a new part and be on the next, you know, the next galaxy or whatever. Um, But this vending machine is uh, sentient. It, like, has consciousness Uh, similar to how your sleeper is an uploaded consciousness, this vending machine, like, somebody uploaded consciousness to this vending machine, so you start having, like, conversations with this vending machine, and it's like, alright, like, you gotta help me get out of this, this body, like, I hate being in a vending machine, can you, like, can you help, like, break the, the protocols that are, you know, the the firewall that's, that's blocking me from escaping this consciousness, and, uh, (laughs) And you, and if you play your cards right, and again, because my guy was good at hacking, I was able to kind of go into the metaverse and, like, figure a way out to get this guy out. I was able to, like, unlock the mind of this vending machine. It turns out it's, like, this super powerful, like, AI thing. We had this kind of beautiful, like, you have freed me. Like, thank you. Like, this very beautiful <laughs> moment of, like, now that they're out of the vending machine, it's, like, this full-on, fully realized personality. Um, just a, a very unexpected... <laughs> Science fiction story that uh, is very very touching in in a, in a lot of ways. Um, sounds good. I don't know. I mean, having, it's really good, man. Having a it's heart really to heart
1: good. with a vending machine just sounds amazing. <laughs> That's so. what I'm <laughs> it,
0: It's so it's so unexpected. It, it's one of those games where um, we were talking uh, we were talking off mic about Persona Five, um, uh, one of Mark's favorites. Campbell's been yes. playing it recently, <laughs> mm. um, and like one of my favorite things about Persona Five is. Like, you, you make these friends, you make these confidants, and for like, you know, for like a level or two, you're like, okay, this is just like my classmate, or this is just like the the doctor who gives me my healing items. And then after, after you get to know them a little bit more, you start having these really heartfelt, like, oh my god, like, I had no idea there was so much going on with this character. Um... I mean, again, Campbell, I know you've just started playing this game, but have you experienced any of that with with any of that Persona 5 stuff?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, every yeah. character, as I, you know, do more confident conversations with them, like even, like you were saying, the doctor, for example, like the Backstreet's doctor just seemed like the character that you go to to get your, your healing items and stuff, but no, her backstory is really interesting, and I care yeah. about her as a character. I care about the therapist now, or the, the counselor, I guess, actually, you know, in mm-hmm. um, same goes for all my party members. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, every single character is, becomes more fleshed out and then that makes the whole game itself feel like... Honestly, like I found it's feeling really less like a game and more just like a life sim, you know, to make extent. Like, you're just <laughs> yeah. hanging out with your friends, mm-hmm. you know? So it's so, definitely so beautiful it, that I can do.
0: I would say, to, to kind of compare it to Citizen Sleeper, I would say a lot of the thing that surprised me about Citizen Sleeper is how often... It, like, characters where I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to this character one time. And then, like, lo and behold, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I have a relationship with you, I have met your family, like, I know about, like, why you are on the space station and your struggle mm. and, like, what you're trying to do and how you're helping me or not helping me or, you know, maybe you're my enemy or whatever. But, like, every character, no matter how incidental they might seem, ends up having these really fleshed out and well-written um, backstories if you choose to, you know, if you choose to to spend the time and engage with them. Um so I don't know, I really liked it. Um I I I wouldn't say it's the I, I mean, I don't know. I guess how replayable the game is depends on how many storylines you choose to kind of uncover your first time. Like there is an event that happens partway through the game where it's like, "Oh, this is like the end game clock." You know, it's like there's like a thing that happens where it's like, "Okay, if I do that thing, it's the end of the game." So like I saw that thing coming and I was like, "All right, I'm going to do as much stuff as I can." outside of this this thing that is clearly the end game, um, and that was really fulfilling for me so it's, it's, it's one of those games where you can kind of engage with it as much or as little as you want I, I would really if you are interested in in this kind of a kind of a narrative adventure I really would encourage you to to just talk to everybody you can um, spend the time to uh, especially with the vending machine uh, spend the time to uh, to get to know those characters because uh, I think it is very uh, very much worth it. Um, so, yeah, Citizen Sleeper. I I played it on Steam, but it is on Switch, and it's the perfect Switch game because the music is, like, very vibey, like, kind of that lo-fi, sci-fi. It, oh, gosh, it's just really good. Um, yeah, it's, like, very low impact, you know? Like, you can, you can play it while you have something on in the background if you want to, um, although I generally like to, you know, with a game like this, because you're reading so much text, I, I can't really watch TV and read at the same time, so I, that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe not the best choice for that, but it's very low impact if you want like, to <laughs> well, no, like, put on some music on the background or something like that like, mm-hmm. you can, you can kind of do two things at the same time with this game um, so yeah, that's, that's Citizen Sleeper um, yeah, sci-fi fans cyberpunk fans, definitely check it out oh, and I have a review on it on Goomastomp.com so make sure you read that as well um, anything else we've got to touch on before we uh, wrap it up, gentlemen uh, go play some pinball. And don't play KO. <laughs> go play pinball. Don't play KO. I think that is a good place to leave it. Honestly, next week can we please all have played a little pinball? Because I'm, I'm actually hearing some some good things about pinball. Apparently, how Laboratories was involved. Uh, we, we gotta we gotta play this game. Um, I think it was so Satori Iwata's well, like his third game or something like that. That's what I'm saying. Oh so gosh, we gotta yeah. get the we gotta get the Iwata touch. Um <laughs> So anyway, I've been your host, Cameron Dax, and you can find some of my writing over on Goomastop.com, including, of course, a review of Citizen Sleeper. And I also wrote about the Playdate, the little little yellow handheld console with a crank, so make sure you read that, too. Uh, You can find me over on Twitter, I'm at ActionDaxon, and Mark, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at
2: the TheMarkCow, that of course is Mark with a C, Cal with a K, you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter, up on the website, you can read my review for Ko the Kangaroo, and I'll also have my review up for uh, Reggie fils book, and also Obi-Wan Kenobi is this week, so you can read my review on the first episode for that. Over on Tilt Magazine, I should specify.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's over on Tilt.
2: I can't Our wait sister to, to read.
0: Yes. Can't wait to read your, your thoughts on that one,
1: Mark. Um, and uh, Campbell, where can people find you? You can find my games writing over at Goombastomp.com. I have been a sickly lad, so I've not written anything in the, about two weeks. But in the last two weeks, though, right before it happened, um, <laughs> I, I've got um, a written review of indie ga- of uh, a Nintendo Switch Sports, which was... Fun, if unremarkable, perhaps, and then also an indie game spotlight article. So go check that out. If you want to follow me on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Campbell Skill, uppercase C S
0: G. There you are. And of course, uh Express is also uh on social media. We are on Twitter as at Express Nintendo. Don't forget to download, rate, review, all those things on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, that of course is more important for engagement more engagement helps us get more listeners helps us get more ads helps us keep making the show so let's uh, let's keep that going thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time